The Spanish Announce Table. It is episode 305 of the Spanish Announce Table. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, forgive us um, for a second. You may see over there um, Tom is having a little bit of video uh, technical difficulties. Once again, the Spanish Announce Table uh, is not, it doesn't feel right if there's not technical difficulties, but we have Tom on audio for the moment. Uh, he says he's trying everything on his video, but uh, for the moment, we're going to get this show going because we're, we're not going to hold this back from you guys uh, uh but tom also uh, <clears throat> long time listeners know that tom loves a good reoccurring joke and tell the joke really, i'm uh, yep i'm tell, getting there tom, tell the tom, joke tom, i'm gonna i'm gonna tell the joke tom has told this joke before but he really wants us to to start this play along tim T- all right okay all right spanish sounds table episode 305 uh tom um, what what do you think Pitbull smells like? Um, uh, geez, I mean, if I had to guess, he probably smells like um, like Axe body spray and suntan lotion. Um, maybe he smells like imitation leather and imitation gold. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't uh, Am I supposed to keep? Is there like an answer, Tom? What does Pitbull smell like? Baby, I'm a fireball. Oh my god! Hey, it's episode three hundred five. So you gotta get Mister three hundred five. It's Pitbull. What is happening here? <laughs> Woo! I'm shocked. Tom huh? got Pitbull. Tom got yeah. Pitbull. I'm excited. I'm going to dance. Hey, <laughs> Mr. 305 for episode 305. Dolly, we in here. For, Spanish announce table. Yeah, Dolly. Thanks for joining us on the Spanish announce table, Mr. Mr. Bull. Um, I want to put some respect on your name there. Um, well, thanks for... Um, are you live on location in the 305? Dolly. Dale, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305. Is it it one Dolly for yes, two for no? Dale. (laughs) Okay, all right. I like where this is going. All right, so you're a big uh, pro wrestling fan, Pitbull? Dale. Okay, that's a yes. All right. Um, Your favorite wrestler, I'm going to guess, is MVP. Miami, 305. He's not going to answer that one. Yeah, all right. All right, let's get into it. Dale, huh? Mr. 305 for episode 305, Spanish announce table. Come on with it, Dale. See, uh, you guys really, if if you're not watching the video podcast over on YouTube, if you're only catching the audio podcast, you're missing out. Uh, I'm staring at Pitbull here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Flawless. Uh, This is no doubt. You can't convince me otherwise that this is anybody other than Pitbull. Uh, it's amazing that you were able to fix Tom's uh, video technical difficulties there, Mr. Well, Bull. you know what? I'm having the time of our lives. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just make things happen. You know, you look at you look at the you look at the what's happening. You take a look at it. You take a stab. You conquer that goal, and you yell timber. Well, yeah, that's great advice coming from Mr. Worldwide. So 
I, uh, yeah, huh? I'm gonna write that down. Actually. Hey, let's get on the floor and talk about pro wrestling, huh? Yeah. Well, you gave us a great musical number here, Pitbull. And uh, speaking of musical numbers, um, we had a great musical number uh, this week in pro wrestling, huh? What did you think of uh, the dinner debonair, huh? I loved it. If you had show tune on your bingo card, your pro wrestling bingo card, please mark that down now. How much fun was that? That was one of the most original segments. Yeah. I think I've seen in pro wrestling. It started like as they were starting to sing, I was like, no way. Like they're not, they're not. I thought it was literally just going to be like a, like what I just Uh did, right? Like a two second. Okay. Now let's get into the show. Um, No, five minutes. They covered Sinatra and Sammy Davis jr. Which I can play that song for you if you want. Um, Let me get that one. Uh, pulled up. Oh, I just got Pitbull up here because you know what I'm saying? It's Pitbull. Dale. Um, but I thought it was awesome. I thought, and I thought the whole uh, AEW Dynamite was great, wasn't it? What are you laughing about, Tim? Huh? <laughs> what are you laughing about? Tom, this ensemble. Uh, here you go. Here's, here it is. You have put together. Like the wallpaper sticks to the wall. Never oh, a man. dull moment on the Spanish announce table. Dale. Uh, I just <laughs> loved it. It was so good. Um, and where do they go from there? So let's just get into it. We'll we'll just do we got a full week of wrestling to talk about. We got uh Hell in the Cell picks talking about in a little bit. We've got Raw, it was a season premiere. We had SmackDown, it was a season premiere of that. We had the kickoff to the number one contenders match or what number one contenders tournament for the AEW heavyweight championship. We had yep. returns, we had show numbers. As we were just talking about, the show number was awesome. Uh, what did you take away from it, though? What was your favorite part of the MJF uh, Jericho uh, dinner segment, which I think is the talk of the pro wrestling world right now? Uh, what sticks out to me was them uh, topping how rare they were going to make the steak, right? <laughs> like I loved like, it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> They're just, uh, yeah, show tunes, that one took me completely. I was like, Really? This is where they're going with this. It just kind of like took me so back. I was like, this is amazing. Like these guys, I can't admit, I don't know who pitched the idea, but they ran with it and blessed them, right? <laughs> like who else right. would like green light that? It's so good. Yeah. And then the other thing that I liked about it, and we'll go back to the start of um, the AEW Dynamite, but again, I think this is the talk, the pro wrestling world. So that's where we thought we would kick off. Uh, but I also liked how after the show number right the dun, da, 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 da. and then when they sat back down the tension was cut they did become friends and then they both realized like the steaks we ordered cannot yeah. be eaten like this is <laughs> this is not edible and so that was just the, the the cherry on top was that they didn't just end it with the show number they went back to the dinner mm-hmm. and then ended it with the steaks are too bad when i like that they both called out for the waitress and, and said the different names. <laughs> yeah, it was so great. Yeah, the different yeah. names, uh, the the women that were dancing with them, how they broke up the background and it exposed the dance floor. Yeah, I again, could be one of the best segments 
in pro wrestling this year. And that's saying a lot because you got to remember, uh, this is also the same calendar year that it had the stadium stampede and, uh, the, um, orange Cassidy, uh, Jericho match where one of them got thrown into a mimosa. Like there's so many moments just for Jericho, that, but a and um, it's parking awesome. Lot brawl yeah. Santana and Ortiz too. versus the best yeah. friends. God dang, uh, Orange Cassidy came out of a trunk of a car during that match. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah it was just another home run. But yeah, uh, as we mentioned, we'll we'll start it off with AEW recap. And what started off the night um, was the Jungle Boy taking on Wardlow. Wardlow picks up the victory to advance in the first round of the tournament. Uh, Wardlow looks impressive. I thought... Jungle Boy looked very good as well, uh, but what did you think? I thought it was a bit of a slow start for me because I just thought, ah, neither of these guys are really giving me much to care about. You know, uh, Jungle Boy. They can't, first of all, are we just going to call him Jack Perry, or is he Jungle Boy Jack Perry? Like, is that or is that just a Jim Rossism? Yeah, uh, I, I think <sighs> I think he likes to call him Jack Perry because he's an old school veteran and he they have to n- have a name. I think how Jim Ross thinks of it is it's the game Triple H, so it's the Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and so that's what I think he's doing. Um, I'm okay with yeah. calling him either one. Yeah, and just like Wardlow, is, he's the big guy that goes raw. Right, there's not much else there. And so I just kind of like while the match was not bad, I was just left wanting a little more. And they tried to give us some story there at the end, right? Um, well, that I thought there showdown, was some... right? That little yeah. eyeball with him in the in the Luchasaurus. So. Well, I thought Maybe. the interesting subtlety here though was the detail that I caught is when Wardlow walked out, he had his own entrance music. There was no MJF. And he won without MJF's assistance. It wasn't as if he walked out, had to get a low blow from MJF. He picks up the victory and moves on. He just won. And so I found that maybe there's going to be some investment in the Wardlow as a single act away from MJF. That's what I thought. And again, we just talked about the show number. I don't know if next week's town hall meeting with the inner circle is going to include Wardlow. All indications is will MJF be joining the inner circle, not MJF and Wardlow. So this may be through this tournament and then through the inner circle and MJF, the end between MJF and Wardlow. That's where I, my uh, uh, interest peaked with that. And the reason for that, I think would be that MJF doesn't need him, right? We've, We've established MJF is great, fine. He's sneaky, he's underhanded. He doesn't need muscle to get him over. And he's not really propping up Wardlow much, right? He's not mm-hmm. doing much for him. Like, Wardlow doesn't have the TNT title because right. he's hanging out with MJF. So maybe it's better that he goes and does something. Maybe he's being pigeonholed, and that's why we're not getting much out of him. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Um the one thing that was cool, and maybe it's just because I haven't seen too many Wardlow matches because I don't necessarily watch every single moment of AEW Dark, but that F10 that they're calling it, I tell you what, he threw Jack Perry and he threw him up in the air and I took a step back and I said, Timber! It was it was interesting. All right, let's move on to the next match. Dale. It was the return, but the debut for AEW, but the return of the character 
of the cleaner, Kenny Omega, taking on late replacement Sonny, Sonny Kiss. Uh, this was this was awesome. I really enjoyed this part of the show. Um, all of the details that Justin Roberts threw into Kenny Omega's entrance, the number yeah. one PWI from this, the da 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 this, the da da, and then the girls with the with the uh, brooms cleaning the entrance. <laughs> yeah. The girls yeah. cleaning the entrance was longer than this match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought it was awesome. It was just a, a knee strike, a V trigger, and we're done. Uh, as I mentioned. Well, the, and his, just his like smug like, yep. Well, because he is Kenny Omega, and that's <laughs> right. the thing. Yeah. The, the, the cleaner understands how good he is. Now, Kenny Omega is an artist, you know, and invest into his character. So this isn't the new Japan pro wrestling, Kenny Omega cleaner character. This is a little bit different. It's almost feels like it's, uh, like it's a baby face in reverse because post-match he's hugging sunny kiss as if they just did a 60 minute Iron Man match and went to a draw. Like he's like sunny kiss, ladies and gentlemen, like pointing at him, raising his hand. And sunny kiss is like, ah, uh, what you just hit me with two moves. And that was it. Tom, I got to tell you, um, Kenny Omega aside, uh, looking at you right now, I feel like I'm transported back to like 1999 and you're trying to convince me to join a boy band with you. Dale. (laughs) Uh, The other thing that I mentioned about this match was that Sonny Kiss, a late replacement, originally was going to be Sonny's tag team partner, Joey Janela. Joey Janela exposed to someone who had COVID-19. Uh, apparently he still tested negative, but to take over precautions, they pulled him from the match, which was, I applaud AEW, not just plow along and say, Nope, he's in the match. It has to be that. Uh, so credit to AEW for doing that. And then, um, yeah, Kenny Omega, just, I, I love this. Yeah. I hit fucking V triggers and I beat people. It's what I do. And then the post match of this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, look at my competitor. Such a such a worthy uh, adversary. It took me ninety two seconds to beat him in this match. You know, I love those little details. Yeah, this was great. This was the first time where I watched a Kenny Omega match here in AW where I've been like, all right, I I like this, right? Like mm-hmm. I like this particular thing. He's always been an also ran uh, with everything he's done so far here, and maybe that was again. Hey, everybody, let's highlight. All this stuff, right? Like all mm-hmm. these other things that we have. We're AW. Look at this, 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 this. A year's gone by. You saw all that. Look at this. Right now, it's now it's the Young Bucks. Now it's Kenny Omega, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, hey, they have a very huge fan base. Definitely, they have made a lot of money doing what they do. So we're gonna see it on a on a big time uh, American TV here. So let's see it. Yeah, one thing that I will say, just to put a bow on this Kenny Omega uh, first-round match that he had here, is, as you mentioned, when he had the pin and that look on his face, like, this is what I do, and then the entrance that had all of the details of the number one PWI pro wrestler, it reminded me a little bit of the cool aspects of RVD and ECW when he would hit the five-star spot frog splash or he would do some incredible rolling thunder and he would look up and be like wasn't that fucking cool and everyone was like yeah man it was really fucking cool and it that that's the part of this kenny omega that i'm interested in because 
that's the part that everyone would do. If if we could hit moves like Kenny Omega, we wouldn't be, hey, everyone, awesome job, right? It would be like, huh? I'm the fucking man. And everyone would be like, yeah, a V-trigger's fucking cool. You are the man. And so that's the part of this character that I'm really, uh, really liking right now. Uh, yeah, I, I like that a lot. I like his smugness I, and just the overdone production of all of it, right? The, as, as we discussed with the Justin Roberts mm-hmm. overselling everything, I like it a lot. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, I also have an idea, Tom, we're Dolly. taking you out in this outfit and, and you're going to, we're going to interview folks on the street and you're, you're going to, you're Dolly. just going to be this character, whatever. Mr. 305 you know, for episode yeah. 305, huh? <laughs> Come on with it. This, this getup, I, I feel like I'm in a like a Hunter S. Thompson movie huh? here. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Huh? <laughs> Dale. What do you what do you want here? Huh? Hey, right. let's let's move on to a match that Pitbull probably would have enjoyed because I definitely enjoyed it as a pro wrestling fan. Uh, it was another first round match for this number one contenders tournament. Uh, Pentagon. Uh, I guess I always called him Pentagon Junior, but Pentagon L Zero M. I didn't realize that was his whole name. Penta El Cero M, right? Yeah, Penta yeah. El Cero M. Uh, the older brother to Ray Phoenix. That was his uh, uh, opponent in this match. So it was Phoenix versus Pentagon. Uh, man, what mm. did you think of this? This was a spot fest. It had some storytelling into it as well. Great job. It, it was everything I thought it was going to be, right? And like they delivered everything. I mean, you could, you knew there was going to be a wow factor. And they delivered. I was wowed. Yeah, I was wowed as well. But the thing that actually made me a a bigger fan of this match was the storytelling. Uh, As you get a little bit longer into the match, you see Pentagon go for this like broken arm maneuver that essentially made Phoenix's right arm just not movable. And you saw Penta go like, what am I doing here? Like the safety of my little brother maybe more important than becoming the number one contender. And it actually cost him because then Ray Phoenix hits that misdirection Canadian destroyer, which was fucking insane. Uh, and yeah, so I like that. I like that the big brother, not necessarily put pity, but being the big brother uh, said, I need to look out for the well being of my little brother. Little brother is like, Hey, fuck you, pal. We're in a match and hits him with the Canadian destroyer. That's the one, two, three. So it wasn't just necessarily spot that spot that, you know, spot here, spot there, spot here. It was spots with some storytelling. And then the end was the storytelling. And so that's why I was a bigger fan of this match than just two luchadors do lucha things. Right. Right. And it had stakes of a tournament. So it made sense why they would be so into. Yes. You know, wanting to beat each other up because there was no underlying yeah, you ate, you know, the extra quart of ice cream that was supposed to be mine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I liked it a lot. And I liked Eddie Kingston's commentary there. I mean, just Eddie Kingston, of course, throughout the night, just hitting home runs every time he appeared for a brief second even. Uh, but this match in particular was just, it was rope to rope to just, you know, just wham, just everything, just impact, speed. It was amazing. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about who you just mentioned there. Kenny, uh, or Kenny, not Kenny, uh, Eddie Kingston. 
Uh, he and also John Moxley had dueling promos. John Moxley went first and then Eddie Kingston responded. Uh, big fan of both of these promos. I like John Moxley's promo where he was like, I'm going to make you quit and you're either going to get out of this company or you're going to be my friend again. And I like right. that this, I quit makes sense again, like to what you said, it's not just brother versus brother because we need to fill time. And it's not just an, I quit match because we need to get an, I quit match into the card. It made sense of John Moxley is going to make him quit being this dickhead. He's all of a sudden become, and Eddie Kingston is going to make John Moxley quit because he wants him to feel the pain of being left out. Like he was when John Moxley went to WWE. It was yeah, very great good. storytelling, great storytelling there, which, you know, again, we didn't have to have followed these guys careers to follow along. It was spelled out very clearly with enough depth for you to be like, oh, this makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved all of that. Moxley's. Yeah. Where he said, I'm going to beat you up until I get my friend back or, you know what I mean? Or this is just done. Yeah. That this is what I talked about last week. I think where I love the Moxley pre-filmed vignette-style promo. Some of the best in the business. His walk around the ring doing his shoulders is a little... Right. a little Pillman-ish, right? Where you're like, oh, hey, 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 slow it down a little bit. What are you saying? Yeah. Uh, So I I, I like these, and Kingston is amazing with either one. And in fact, I think we saw... Oh, they played the one from after the show went off air last time. Um... They, they showed that promo in the show, remember? And that was so brutal. Like, he was so mean. And so was Eddie Kingston that where they had Moxley, you know, mm-hmm. beat down everything. That promo and then his, as you said, pre-recorded where he's, like, laughing <laughs> about Moxley's was just, oh. These two are, are great at hyping up a fight. Yeah. And when Eddie Kingston gives his promo, it's as if, if there is a producer, which I don't know, it's as if he just says to Eddie Kingston right before they start recording, just give me everything because every promo is from the heart. Even if it's not right. I don't even know if these two were that great of friends, if we're (laughs) breaking cave in, but the way that John Moxley's pre-tapes sells it, it makes me feel that way. And then anytime Eddie just gets in front of the camera, he makes me believe that me and him are best friends. You know what I mean? Like the believability in his words is just insane. Uh, And then as you mentioned, he was on commentary for the Lucha bros uh, match against each other. And boy, did him and Jim Ross have an uncomfortable moment before the damn match even began. Huh? Dude. It's so great. Like Eddie Kingston can just, he's, got that Jericho quality where you give him the microphone he's going to entertain he's gonna he's gonna throw zingers mm-hmm. he's gonna tell an overall story he is money on on guiding whatever right guide the story guide this little segment here you tell him just hand him the mic it was great yep. and yes him and JR that chemistry was yeah just thick it was great it was awesome all right, Dale, let's move on. We've got uh, another first-round match for the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Uh, we had the Hangman, Adam Page, versus Colt Cabana. Uh, what did you think of this match? What sticks out most to me is the Dark Order. They made it clear to stick out that they kind of don't like Colt Cabana. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's going to start going away. They're going to storyline him out Evil of Uno. Except for Evil Uno was out there to support Colt Cabana. So maybe yeah. we're starting to see a friendship between these two. Maybe they both get kicked out. Something happens there. Yeah, and then they like help him out of the ring. That was interesting. Um, this this tournament is is set up for Omega and Paige. That's that's the end. We know mm-hmm. that. So I, I wasn't like, oh, Cole Cabana might pull off a victory, and they're gonna, you know, Hangman gets all depressed and drinky. But uh, not to make light of, you know, alcoholism, alcoholism and depression. <laughs> but <laughs> those are very serious things. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, but you know what I mean. I thought that's where they were gonna go because that's how they portray him a lot of times. Well. Uh, so yeah, that's what sticks out mostly just cause it felt like this was filler to get a hangman win. And then we tell something else because we're really trying to tell these two, you know, mega powers explode, if you will. Yeah. Uh, again, I think everyone's consensus is that it's going to be hangman, Adam page and Kenny Omega. And after this first night of the tournament, it definitely feels that way. Cause they were the pr- two most impressive, at least in my opinion, as far as getting the victory. But Again, AEW can throw that curveball where, let's say, Kenny Omega is the first one to advance to the finals. He doesn't want to face Hangman Adam Page. He comes from underneath the ring or the crowd or whatever, cost Kenny or cost Hangman the match. Ha ha! Now it's Kenny Omega versus someone else, and then that person moves on. It takes on the title uh, holder, and then you get the Kenny Omega and uh, Hangman Adam Page match. Uh, the thing that I left with from this match though, is hangman Adam page fucking rules. He's the coolest guy in wrestling right now. I'm not even into cowboy shit. Like, I don't think cowboys are a thing. Uh, we're in 2020 What the fuck you riding on a horse for. It's not needed. Uh, we've, uh, outlived that weird population, but when he fucking comes out, I want to get a cowboy hat on. I love his fucking song. His song can fit any situation. Name a situation and think of that song and it fits. Yeah, it's it's very timeless. Oh my god, it's so cool. He comes out with that bandana down half past his face. Uh it's he's just I'm just like, I want to be that guy's friend. We have nothing in common, but I like that guy. You know? Like he's fucking cool. I just again, I'm the biggest mark right now for Hangman Adam Page. He's he's the coolest. I think I'm gonna name this episode I wanna be that guy's friend. <laughs> I do. I do, man. He's he's awesome. It, yes, he is awesome. Uh, I I like where we're going with the storyline, albeit, um, again, they're going to make each other look great, but where do they go after, right, with the hangman and Omega? Right. But, I mean, like, we could do that forever. Well, then what next, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm not trying to get too caught up in that. I like where it's going so far. And, yeah, hangman gets a win. On towards the on towards the finals we go eventually. Yeah, and then after that we have a Taz promo alongside Ricky Starks and uh, Brian Cage. Brian Cage is essentially calling out Will Hobbs. Well, I guess really they asked, "Hey, Will Hobbs, you haven't gave us an answer." And then Ricky Starks calls out Darby Allen, saying, "You should have never got this opportunity, the TNT Championship." Uh, what did you make from this whole promo up at the you know top of the stage? I like a good Taz promo. At one point, it got kind of screamy. I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, you know, yeah. that's whoa. Um, yeah, it, it did leave me a little bit going like, yeah, I felt like these guys didn't have as much to say as they said. 
I thought it was a little clunky at the end where, you know, they've done amazing pre-tape interviews or even backstage interviews where they get in, they get out. And this one felt after they all said their shit, kind of like what you said, it didn't feel like they said too much. And then they're just standing on the stage and then they just walk to the back. So it felt a little small time for them. Uh, I would have rather had this a backstage promo, a pre-tape, something like that to give a little bit more uh, punch, but it was fine. It was still, hey, Will Hobbs, you haven't answered us, so we still have something to tie up there. And then Ricky Starks and Darby Allen, they almost seem like they're going to be rivals for as long as this promotion's around. Um so I'm still interested in that. Again, I don't know if we want an instant match, you know, the next time Ricky Starks is on TV, but it was still good that he's still saying, Hey, Darby Allen, you're a piece of shit, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was trying to look through uh, the results here too. I can't remember what backstage segment it was and who it was with, but somebody was like, Oh, we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> And oh, was like, it was week's right. So that's what I was getting into uh, uh, next. Uh, again, the promos. I have a match sheet, so the promos were where they were. So yeah, if you're that's what I was trying to. I, 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 I remembered that sticking out, and I couldn't remember who did it, and I was trying to remember where I needed to plug into that. But that's okay. yeah. So but that was Orange Cassidy, and it was Orange Cassidy being interviewed about oh, his yeah. match against Cody next week. And then Cody getting yes. an interview as he's uh, entering into the arena, asking why he put on weight. He wants to be a true heavyweight. Uh, he has a championships advantage right. or champions advantage. Promo. Yeah, it was a very good promo. But yes, to your point, Orange Cassidy was like, "Hey, we're just looking on to Cincinnati, moving on to Cincinnati." Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because they said next week is Jacksonville, and he was like, "Whatever." And then it hit me. I was like. Hey, they're all Jacksonville. You guys are staying it's quarantine like you're there. <laughs> yeah, and then he just like checks out the the TV behind him. He's just like looking at the dimensions. He's just in his own world, man. He's awesome. He's uh, he's great. Um, yeah. yeah, so that is next week. Uh, we have the rematch for the in TNT Championship. In Jacksonville for the TNT Championship. Cody, champion, taking on challenger Orange Cassidy, as you remember from the previous week. Uh, ended in a time limit draw, so we'll see where that goes. Um, also, in a promo, more of a backstage highlight, we saw Steve-O accompany Darby Allen as Darby Allen just decided to drop from something really high, I guess. Yeah, put himself inside a bag and rolled down a half pipe, which I'm sure hurts, but like what? And you brought old, you bought Steve old out on <laughs> Yeah, He looked like he was 60. Maybe he well, is. Yeah, well, his body definitely is 60, if not older, from all the pain he put himself through. Um, I like yeah. I, I, I like that Steve-O's involved just in the sense of if you're going to do something jackass, get someone who was a part of jackass, you know, because that was a jackass segment. You could have put that in the jackass oh, yeah. show in 98 and it would have fit like a glove. Um, I will say some of the stuff that – uh, Darby Allen's done in the past was a little bit more eye catching than this. And I feel like yeah. this probably hurt more than the other stuff. So like, I don't <laughs> know if the pain was worth the payoff. Well, and then he just like, he's like, Oh my God, dude, you okay. And he just unzips it. And he's like, I'm totally going to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did, how did that prepare you for anything? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right. As we mentioned, yeah, uh, that was not good. That was not good. That was a, it, that was a C minus. 
Yeah, it was best. just a weird, yeah, just a weird thing. Again, I like anytime wrestling can mix with pop culture. I don't know if Steve-O is still top of mind for the jackass type of thing in pop culture, but it is what it is. Uh, as we started off the show uh, after Mr. 305, uh, we we talked about Mr. The, Worldwide. The, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305, Hustle, baby. 305. Yeah, on the floor, huh? Timba, what, Dolly? Uh, we talked about the dinner. Uh, I wanted to get your uh, feedback, though, real quick before we move on to the women's segment. Uh, what do you think happens with the town hall next week? So we have the town hall, Jericho and the inner circle. Again, only mentioning MJF, no Wardlow so far mentioned. What do, what do you think the payoff is yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're still going to drag this out a little more, but they're definitely the Santana and Ortiz are going to not like this. Sammy's not going to like this, and I think you're going to have, um, I think you're going to have like Jericho's on board. So Hager's going to be like, whatever, man. I, you know, like I trust you, whatever. And he's going to like somehow convince Sammy, right? Like he's going to like talk. Like Jericho's going to like. No, but think of it, Sammy. Like, you know, I think you're going to start seeing this, and then Prime Prejudice is going to be like, what the? And I think they're going to be like reluctant, and we're going to see him like in the inner circle. I'm air quotes for the uh-huh. audio podcast listeners. But um, so I think we may get him joining, but he doesn't fully ever like stick, right? I think it then blows up. They get a blow off, they fight, and he's never yeah. really a member of the inner circle. He's like a Lex Luger horseman or whatever. You know? Right. Yeah. A sting horseman for a cup of coffee, yeah. something like right. that. I, The back of my mind, I don't know why, but I think Jericho's been hitting so many home runs as just Chris Jericho that I feel they're going to do a switch. They're going to do MJF takes over the inner circle. Jericho's out in the cold MJF is the future. He knows how to, you know, lead us to the promised land. You all, all you got us was losses and, you know, mimosas. And so I just, that's, that's my gut feeling. I'm going with MJF. And I, cause I even think it'll be yeah, Sammy. You can tell me he's like, you're outside the circle now. Like that's how right. they kick him out. He's like, you're outside the circle. And that's yeah. all they say to him. And he's like, no, I'm in, I'm inside the circle. I'm like, nope, you're outside the circle. <laughs> yeah. And I think it could be Sammy who's the one that maybe uh, instigates the, the 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 wheels in motion to get Jericho out. It's something like, oh no, MJF got me a jacket that fits, and it's actually a premium jacket. Like it's a it's a bomber or whatever it is. It's a starter pullover. And then Jericho's the like, line. what? Yeah, look at the line. Yeah, and then Jericho can be like, wait a minute, you got one? And then that's when Santana Ortiz is like, yeah, we got one too. And then Hager's like, I got one as well. Everybody in the inner circle got one. Right. And then put the boots to Jericho. Jericho's out uh, out of the circle. It's like, but I didn't get one, and I'm in the inner circle, right? Right. Right? <laughs> well, if yeah. you remember, that's similar to how the turn was for Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. When Chris Jericho's like, oh, right. you gave me a new list? And looks up, and why is my name on the list? Ah, boom, you got beat up. I think that that's my, that's my guess. Ah, uh, boom, you got beat up. Yeah. All right. That's as we new, move that's on a new with Pitbull song. Yeah. Dale, huh? Mr. Ah, 305. Fire. Fire. <laughs> boom. I don't know if he says that, but I did. Um, all right. Then as we move on with dynamite, we get the five minute women's match. That was Dr. Britt Baker picking up the victory. Moving on. 
Uh, I mean, right? I, yeah, I have nothing to say. But I mean, like eh, we've it's said, what we can say about how they, yeah. And here, let's we'll do we'll do some service to uh, the segment. The thing that I'm finding the most interesting is now Britt Baker has picked up two consecutive victories, and we have not even mentioned or heard from our women's champion. Why? Yeah, because eh. what is going on? Now, maybe I'm getting my timetables mixed up. Maybe the the all championships one year anniversary she defended then was that last week? Uh, was that last Something. week? Yeah, okay, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, the quarantine uh, timetables. I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just feels again rinse and repeat five minute women's segment, and then we're on to the main event. And so, if they're going to treat it that way, unfortunately, so are we. That's um, how it be. That is how it be. So let's get into the main event. It was a four-way tag team, number one contenders match, Private Party, Young Bucks, Butcher and the Blade, and number three and four from the Dark Order. Uh, this was a man-everywhere kind of match, spots, people, uh, moments. What did you think? I felt like it was too long because of this. And like we, I knew the Young Bucks were winning this, so mm-hmm. it just it felt like it took a long time to get there, if I'm being honest. Again, not bad, and I wasn't like, well, it sucked. They clearly missed there. They're taking too long here or anything. Like, they're good at what they do. I just thought, ah, guys, like, we know where this is going. And a lot of times you know where the story's going in anything you're watching, but you still – you know what I mean? Like you do something to kind of, Oh, and then I just don't feel like I got it. I don't know. I agree. I think, uh, when you tell a story, sometimes you have to get through some of the parts to get to the ending. You know what I mean? You have yeah. to have the character walk through the forest to get to the house. And maybe that's not the most entertaining part, but they can't just teleport to the house. They have to walk. Right. And so that's what I felt like this match did is we knew it was going to be Young Bucks versus FTR. So Young Bucks were going to pick up the victory. But did we have to draw it out to all of these, you know, different spots and false finishes, things like that? The scary part, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, Alex Reynolds, number three from the Dark Order, knocked unconscious on the ground. I guess the yeah. ref just missed it because, again, so many bodies and so many moving parts. But, man, that was very scary. So hopefully Alex is going to be okay moving forward. Uh, but, yeah, that that was what yeah, I was remember out. from the match. Yeah, he was yeah. unconscious. He was, he was asleep. Yeah. yeah. When he fell down, he yelled, Timber! Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it, it was definitely dark for him. Yeah, yeah. When he when he got hit, it was on the floor, right. if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but, yeah, so the Young Bucks get the victory. Uh, post-match... Uh, FTR comes in, tries to, I guess, offer him a beer. Young Bucks hit the beer. A masked man hits one of the Young Bucks in the back with the chair. The thing with that, the commentators were trying to say, like, who could that be? And I guess for me as a viewer, I was like, it's obviously Tully Blanchard. Right. Like, everybody knows it's Tully Blanchard. Like, you could, they have Tully with them all times. He's not there now. This guy's got the same body and he moves and like hair. a sixty-year-old. Like yeah, I, like I know it's totally Blanchard. Everybody, yeah. you know it's totally Blanchard. So now that's the thing is, they should just acknowledge that because now you're really making it hard for people to be like, all right, and now it's hard to connect to this and play along mm-hmm. when when this is right. so bad when you're so insulting my intelligence. Yeah. Now. Uh, 
to their credit, they didn't end it on a cliffhanger. And next week, we're going to find out who the guy is. So I will give right. them props. At least they didn't do that to insult our intelligence. Yeah. Um, they also did a little. Yeah. Right. They also did Albeit a little. They could do. FDR could be like, we're going to find out who it is. We don't, we don't take this either. And they go on like a manhunt and they find him. And they Scooby-Doo reveal him. And they're like, oh my God, it's totally. <laughs> right. That would be funny. Right. They could do that. Right. Uh, the thing that I thought was interesting is with this fantasy booking that we've been doing for years between FTR and the Young Bucks, I thought everyone was kind of on the same page that they would both go in 100%. We're going to find out who the better tag team is. But we're already doing the pro wrestling stuff where we've got to break one of the Young Bucks' legs and that kind of old school mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know if that's needed for this because, again, this has been talked about throughout the IWC for years upon years, it feels like. So it could have just been like, oh, my God, the best two tag teams in the world finally are going to have a match. And that's the payoff, right? The Stone Cold Rock this match. Thing. Yeah, this match was talked about well before AEW was even thought of as a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And we kind of get it. You don't need to do all this extra. Right. Right. You just need very similar to how John Moxley and Eddie Kingston are just doing promos where they say, we have history. And in this case, it could just be, uh, I said Stone Cold and The Rock, but actually I think a better uh, way to build this is if you took elements from Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, where Kurt Angle can be, or FTR could be what Kurt Angle is, is like, I'm the fucking best. We are the best. We have the titles. We have the accolades. We've been everywhere. We made money up north. All of this. And then the Young Bucks can be the Shawn Michaels. We're like, everyone knows we're the fucking coolest. Look at our history. Look at our track record. Huh? Who had the best match of all time? We did. Who had another best match of all time? We did. And then it's just the jealousy from FTR and just the arrogance, but well-deserved from young bucks just meeting up that that's how i think you should build this matchup yeah i i agree all right man well that was uh aw dynamite uh what's your takeaways high level view of the episode what, what are you going to remember th- from this this week I, I took away that there was a bit more of lull spots than i feel like i normally feel um but again i think they were trying to start some new stories and to buy some time and some other so what are you gonna do right again it's eh, it's november <laughs> it's not yet but you know what yeah. i mean we're near like they, they've been doing a lot of stuff right like they they hit a lot of home runs so it's hard to uh to get them all and i i do I, the 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 show tune i mean how are we gonna ever yeah, forget i that? think again yeah they hit a grand slam on top of a grand slam to use a sports analogy they had a grand slam a buzzer beater on top of each other with the show tune. And then also two other quick takeaways that I, uh, leaving with from this show, the return of the cleaner, but again, debut in AEW. And then that Lucha bros match I thought was really good. It was impressive because it wasn't just for lack of a better term, lazy Lucha wrestling. It was Lucha wrestling with the story. And that's what I like. So yeah, loved it. I agree. All right. Dale. All right, let's move on. Now the world, the WWE. Uh, we had a season premiere from both SmackDown and Raw. What did you think of the season premieres of a show that doesn't have an off season? Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
so they did the draft, and you can tell now they're starting to try to mix these folks in and do some things with them. So there was some things where I was like, all right, this is fun, right? I mean, we got Matt Riddle, AJ Styles on Raw. Um, you know, I like the the fun house coming over to Raw sticks out to me. That was that was fun. Like we got the introduction there. I, I was really taken away, and I put this up on TikTok, which, by the way, check out our TikTok at Spanish Announce Table. Come on. Uh, I put out there that, like, this was weird because we got Retribution that's doing a big thing. We got this new identified leader and the Firefly. You know, here comes the Fiend and Alexa Bliss, and we're just going to have them fight immediately right now. And Bray Wyatt's just going to destroy all of them. It felt weird. And then he's going to come out and be like, oh, he made a mistake. I'm like, no, you should not go after Bray Wyatt. Like, you should leave him be. You, You go after the Hurt Business. I don't know. Yeah. So we're so zeroing in on Raw. Some of the takeaways I had, I took some notes just because, again, it was a season premiere. So I wanted to treat it as such. Uh, some, some takeaways that I had. First off, I love that they're using a non 1990s, early 2000s rock song as their uh, intro, NF. Yeah, that surprised me. That surprised yeah, me. Yeah. It's, it felt new. It felt contemporary. It felt. Uh, hip, you know, as an old man might say. Uh, so I like that. I applaud that. That was good. It felt, it felt good. It wasn't just, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, five finger death punch playing a generic rock song. This was something that I knew the song. It was good and it felt different. So I, I thanks to hinder breed for their song. Right. Yeah. Mary by the Creek. Yeah. Thanks to hate step parents for the new jam. <laughs> right. You know, whatever. Um, I, so I like that. Right. Uh, some of the other things that I liked is I liked the whole confusion, not confusion, but just the mashup of it's Bray, it's retribution, it's hurt business. Cause again, this is a traveling circus. I know they're not traveling right now, but again, this is a circus animals in the circus bump into each other. I think wrestlers should also bump into each other. Um, I'm not necessarily too down on retribution, getting the shit kicked out of them by hurt business. And then Bray Wyatt. Cause I think then that leads to, Oh no, you motherfuckers are about to feel our pain, right? When you, when you tear someone down, then you see them like, seek oh. their vengeance. Oh, you got muscles, but I got, yeah, skills. and that's what he alluded to. Ali was like, but, hey, go ahead. Yeah, but what's he going to do that to about The Fiend? What are we going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe The Fiend does that. He's The well, Fiend. He's got a weird multiple personality. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay. Well, I don't think necessarily, again, if they're creative, and who knows about the creative team, but this is what the angle they could take. Instead of just saying, oh, did you know the Fiend's Firefly Funhouse is located in catering or whatever, right? You could say, you could you could take the angle of, hey, Alexa Bliss actually might be playing the Fiend. And then you create the tension between the two of them, right? Retribution creates the tension between the two of them because you think it's this twisted, holy Mary uh, you, you know, sanctity union and well, retribution comes in like a snake and says, actually, did you know bliss actually thinks you're stupid or whatever. Right. Yeah. And that's the audio angle. conversation between her and Nikki cross dated. yesterday. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And 
And you know what she told Nikki? And then that's when the fiend loses control and can't, you know, the Firefly Funhouse might burn down again or whatever, right? Crumbles. Then he changes the whole, right? Mm, yeah. Right. But, it, so, but that's too soon. That's too well, soon. Yes. We can't be doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But that's where maybe Retribution can start their yeah. angle with, uh, with uh, the fiend. With Hurt Business, it's easy, right? You could just say, hey, text message between Shelton and Lashley say that they hate Cedric Alexander. And then Cedric's like, you bitches. Like, I joined you because I wanted to be friends, you know? Uh, you know, no, that's where they can go. Right. Uh, speaking of someone trying to join the Hurt Business, uh, did you see that backstage segment where Mr. Worldwide, he should be with Pitbull, uh, Mr. Worldwide tried to join the Hurt Business, and they're like, "Now nah, get the fuck out of here, pal. Yeah, I love that. He's like, yeah, we're in business. He's like, all right, we're in business. He goes, we're in business. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great line. And then I love that they had Cedric Alexander come through and just give him the, you know, the old cross, just wham, send him down. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I think my favorite moment, though, from Monday Night Raw was when Tucker had to reveal his mystery partner. <laughs> El Gran Grado or what, what was Grande his name? Gord, or El Gordo Grande or something. El like Gordo that. Grande, yeah, which was which I think translates to the big fat. Uh, well, I, I thought I that was great. Like, immediately, he was like, "That's Tucker in a mask." Like, don't. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, that's not. And he's like, "Senor Tucky." <laughs> yeah. See, Senor Tucky. <laughs> see, Senor Tucky. I thought oh. he was great because yeah, yeah. everyone knew. But technically, you can't do anything because he's a new superstar, right? He scoured the earth virtually to get this guy in. (laughs) I thought it was great. Yeah. It was Mm -hmm. so funny. And it's another way. And then the other thing that I liked about it is post-match after they win, you get to see the reunion between Otis and Mandy, which is always warms your heart. You love to see a fat man in love. Uh, And so uh, I like that as well. You'd love to see a fat man in love. Don't you? Hey, what did you mm-hmm. think about AJ Styles' new bodyguard, that fucking mountain of a man? By the way, if you want to know what I would look like standing next to that mountain of a man, I am the same height as AJ Styles. That's what I would look like next to that motherfucker. Okay. So I thought AJ Styles played that great. Perfect. So the guy's just still standing there in the ring, and then he's like, hey, can you get him out? And he's like, i Hey, I can't. Can just do? look at him. Look at him. Well, you tell him. <laughs> he's like, it's, it's him. he's going to do what the fuck he's going to do, man. Like, huh? And then he even told him, he's like, your call, big man. It's your ring. Like, you know, I like. So interesting. Like, is he kind of playing him a little because maybe he's like not quick to understand what's, you know, but the, I like that the guy came just a little, little clench of the fist to, to give him a little like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, oh no, this guy's going to do something and then run into the ring. Yep. Yeah, I love the whole match. The only thing I would have changed is not have Matt Riddle take that loss. Because, again, I've heard a couple different times from uh, the what culture websites of you know the, that elk where they say Vince thinks that you only watch Raw or you only watch SmackDown, which is stupid. You watch both. But, you know, you only watch one. So let's just take that theory. If you've only watched Raw, this is your debut to Matt Riddle and he just loses in five seconds because he's scared of a big fist. Super scared of that guy. Yeah. He's not, yeah, the guy who's taller than everybody around, but Matt Riddle's a tall dude. Well, and so Matt Riddle's a bad that motherfucker. Much taller than, ta- right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was 
yes, he's significantly taller than the referee and AJ Styles, but Matt Riddle, no. Like, Matt Riddle's already, like, between their height, so. <laughs> well, and Matt Riddle's a bad motherfucker. Like, he's a, he's ready to scrap with anyone, right? So it's mm-hmm. not as, like, I don't know why we portrayed him as the scared, scaredest wrestler on the roster. I think that could have been served better with grab a guy from 205 Live. Yeah, R-Truth, 205 Live, one of those guys, and that person take the fall. Um, but other than that, yeah, everything was great. Uh, I actually liked when the ref was trying to get the big guy. I don't know if we have a name for him. We don't fact check yeah. here, but do we have a name for him? I don't think so. I okay, know. but I liked how the ref was like, okay, you can do whatever you want, after the match, I'm just trying to do my job. Will you please yeah, leave? Yeah, and then that's when AJ's like, gotta get this match. Like, I don't care what you do. Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> care great. at all what you do post match. Just well, and that's what, yeah, that's when AJ was like, Hey, man, your call. Yeah, <laughs> do whatever <laughs> you want, like, big I'm man. I can tell you what to do. Like, <laughs> yeah, I really like that segment. I'm very interested to see. How it's that great for AJ, unfolds. that kind of like cheese-eating grin that he gets. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, what are you going to do about it? And you're like, I'm not going to do a damn thing about it. Look at that guy. Oh, and the way he can just hide behind the big guy to do the chicken shit heel stuff where he's like, oh, you want to fight me? And then he runs behind him. He's like, fight me now. Fight me now. And, you know, who's going to fight that big bastard of a guy? Uh, yeah, that was one of my highlights of Raw was just the pairing of those two, which I think signifies – the end of Raw Underground. Yeah, I think it's done. I think we'll never so hear it again. So bye, Shane McMahon. What does Shane do? Does he come back? I don't know. This guy's name is Jordan something. Oh, I'm going to spell it. The last name. O-M-O-G-B-E-H-I-N. So we'll wait till we get a pronunciation from one of the Ogabi. Ogabi. Omagbein. Omagbein. Dolly. Yep, we suck. We are American. Ah, Dolly. Yeah, he was in Evolve for a little bit. I wanted Sharkbait to team up with them because if you remember in NWL, this is between me and you, uh, if you remember the NWL days, Sharkbait would get on um, the shoulders of uh, the big bastard with the beard from St. Louis. He would get on his shoulders and do a frog splash. And I was like, you should do a frog splash off of this guy's shoulders. That would be insane. You know, so that's what I wanted to happen, but unfortunately it didn't. I, I do remember the NWL days. Uh, after the show, remind me of that. I got something to talk about. Uh, Ooh, Dolly. Mm-hmm. like it. Um, also on Raw, we had a musical performance uh, of its own. Uh, Elias uh, put on an actual concert. And man, uh, they're really going to do this thing, huh? Yeah, what a generic song. What a generic <laughs> piece of shit that was. And then Jeff Hardy, we get it, man. We get it. You like music. You can play a guitar. In TNA, you sang out your own song. I do. What? Why is Jeff Hardy a thing in 2020? He was drafted. They made it a point to be like, oh, look. I don't know, man. Jeff Hardy. And again, we're we're basing this. Jeff Hardy. Yeah, and we're basing this whole feud on what we determined was not Jeff Hardy hitting Elias. It yep. was factored in because Sheamus and Jeff Hardy had a feud over this that Jeff Hardy did not hit Elias. Which sucks, man, because I, I like Elias. I, I think you could do so much with Elias without having to change anything that he's doing. I think it's just the way they've written the storylines around him suck. I could take this exact same character with the exact same characteristics 
and you could uh, write 10 storylines before we ended the show better than mm-hmm. what they've ever given him. So, like, I well, just I don't know where it's going to go. Well, and here's the thing that I think uh, about specifically with the Elias character. If anyone in pro wrestling across the board, AEW, NXT, Raw, or SmackDown, is going to suffer from not having a crowd, it's going to be Elias. Elias was the number one act that needed the call and response. If you remember, the biggest reaction that I think he ever got was in Seattle with Kevin Owens when he said the Sonics shouldn't have been an NBA team or something to that ilk. And yeah, the crowd went insane. And he does the, the you know playing the guitar and the crowd claps and stuff like that. You're not going to get that now. And so right. I would just hold pause until we get crowds back for Elias because I think it's all going to fall flat because that's his whole thing is I play off of a crowd and you can't get a crowd right now. You could maybe do a storyline where, for some reason, he's not allowed some authority figure, but that would be turning him face. Right. You know? But, I mean, I think he's got that in him. I do, too. And, again, I just don't, like I said, with this storyline, we've determined that it wasn't Jeff Hardy who hit him. He says it was. We can just replay old SmackDown footage that shows it wasn't. And the feud's over. Like it doesn't. Pro wrestling. Yeah, but it's WWE pro wrestling. We never watch. We don't fact check. Yeah, we don't fact check, and apparently neither do they. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also on Raw, again, we had another, I don't know, WWE promo where Randy Orton gave us a message from hell. And then the end was just Drew McIntyre shutting the door. But here's here's the plot hole. Again, because unlike AEW, they don't pay attention to the details. They do Raw talk immediately after Raw. And they're doing it from within the arena. And behind them is just an empty ring. Yeah. So so McIntyre and Orton didn't fight? <laughs> right. Yeah, they did. Just They different. fought in three seconds? They fought in yeah. three seconds. Like, well. <sighs> It's it's what That's insulting. It's something that I, I I'm surprised nobody's called out the plot holes in the whole draft thing and people be like, Oh no, these people got split up and these people got split up and you all are wrestling at the same place right now. You're not traveling. <laughs> you all work at the same building. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, I, they can't control that, but like they still acknowledge that everybody's at the Thunderdome. It's not mm-hmm. like they're like, all right, we're in Oklahoma City tonight. They're not doing that. So why is everybody so yeah. worried? Like, you'll be fine. Yeah. Why, yeah, exactly. To, to your point, why is the New Day right now so broken up that they're broken up when they both report to work in the same building? Just go in on your off day. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to travel anywhere. Just go in on your off day. Yeah, how many times I work... You know how many times I worked at a retail store and I needed to buy, you know, jeans or a t-shirt. So I bought it from the place I worked and I went in on my off day and just talked to my friends who I worked with. Like you can still do that in WWE. It doesn't make any Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big E was in the crowd virtually, you know, clapping, watching the news. Just go, go there. Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow. Yeah. What else happened? There was something else that I, well, we got the Strowman Keith Lee match. Oh, the the exchange of dick kicks, because, you know, WWE loves a good dick kick. 
if you don't uh, believe me, remember Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, because that's all they did was kick each other in the dick. And apparently that's all we're going to do with these two big meaty men slapping meat against each other. Slapping meat. Hey, are they... Uh, is it because Rusev went on on the competitors TV that they're putting Lana through a table every week? Like, what is the deal? I love it. Fuck her. I don't like her. She sucks. She's bad. Fucking put her through a, a table until her contract expires. I don't know when that is, but just do it until that ends. I, that's one of my favorite women's segments well, in all have to of know wrestling. She's going to leave, right? Like they have to know she's going to leave and go. I mean, I possibly, but it also seems like she likes, you know, the money and exposure and platform that WWE gives. Uh, and maybe she's looking at over at AEW and is like, there's nothing over there, so why would I go? Um, yeah, and I don't think she's a big enough name where, like, people are like, Lana went to AEW, I'm going to check that out. Like, they... Yeah. She's not that, like, so yeah, she does benefit more from, she's on the Total Divas this season or versus, yeah, you're right. Now, she could make a big impact in AEW. You could write that super easy. You know how? Let's just say your contract ends in three weeks because all these table spots, right? She's like, I want out of here. They're like, yeah, fuck you. We didn't want you anyhow. Cause your husband left. Right. Right. In AEW, you could keep playing up the Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford and, uh, Miro thing. And then maybe Penelope Ford was like, you're just a single loser who no one likes. And Miro, you're not the best man. You're average at best. And then gets into his face and, you know, is poking him in the face. Some generic music hits. Lana comes out, saves Miro. Miro and Lana are now, you know, a couple of that. You, and Miro then they're feuding whatever. with, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they're feuding with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. You could easily do that next week. But anyhow, uh, I love it. Nia Jax should put everyone through a table, especially uh, Lana, actually two times an episode. That's what they should do. They, she should put her through the table in the first segment of the show. After the first segment, you do a second segment with the Hurt Business or whatever, right? And uh, you show Tom Phillips, Samoa Joe, and Byron with the broken table. Then the third segment, the table's rebuilt. And then you see Nia Jax grabbing Lana by the hair, dragging her back to <laughs> the, the uh, announce table, and then throw her through again. Do that every week. Have it be like the 24-7 title and just a couple times a night. <laughs> exactly. She's at catering, and she just puts her through that <laughs> table. Right. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. I love it. Give her PS, PS uh, what is it called? Uh, post-traumatic s- stress disorder? PTSD. PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give her PTSD, where just anytime she sees a table, she gets nervous and starts like itching and like, I can't stand the it. The Dudleys come around, and she's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have fun with it. Like, that's what I want them to do. That mm-hmm. would be awesome. That would be great. All right, man. Well, Dolly, you want to get into some Hell in the Cell picks? You got the matches up. You want to give us these picks before we dolly out of here? Dolly. Yeah. Well, let me. Did anything happen on the NXT? Somebody's beating up the um, the yeah. uh, Undisputed Era. You know was who it, it was? Was it Burton and, and it was Lorcan Pat McAfee? The match? Oh, that's right. It was Pat McAfee. That's right. And I think that's great. Here's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Birch and Oni are great, but they can't talk more than three sentences until they start mm-hmm. sound like they have marbles in their mouth. But they're awesome in the ring, so they need someone to be their mouthpiece. Pat McAfee's best attribute is talking, so while he learns the ropes, 
he can talk for them. I think if if I've seen things on the internet right, I think we have a War Games coming up. You add a fourth member to Pat McAfee and this tag team, and there you go, four on four, Undisputed Era versus whatever we're going to call McAfee's minions, and there you go. I think that's I think that's where we're headed. That could be interesting. I think it's great, and I think it's awesome to have such an interesting type of manager because he doesn't have to be there every week, and obviously I don't think he can be there every week because he has other responsibilities. Uh, so he could just be this, hey, they need a promo. Fly in, do the promo. Get out for the next week. They're just going to beat some people up. You know, COVID, in and out. can stay home and, and do it. Right. And so uh, I really enjoy Pat McAfee's match with Adam Cole, and I think he's only getting better. It was a great surprise, too, because it didn't even register like, oh, it's Pat McAfee. Once he had this match, I thought he was done. Like, he did his ESPN spot. Wasn't that cool? I had a match. I thought he was out of there. Here he is back again. He's good, though. He's good. He's good at whatever he does, apparently. He's another one of those guys like The Rock where you're like, would you be bad at something? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What was that line that he said to Adam Cole? I've made a million dollars in seven different industries or something. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. on fire. He's you can't. I know you can hate on him because of, oh, he's not that entertainer. What, it's not my cup of tea. But you can't hate on the numbers, man. And he, he brings it. He does bring it. Yeah, and that was kind of – that was pretty much it for NXT. Wasn't it? The rest of it was kind of – oh, Austin Theory quit. Yeah, poor guy. I love Austin Theory. He's the band. He's I the love band. that he was like just, you know, thick boy. was like, oh, you want this again? And he's like, all right. He's just, yeah, <laughs> there you go, Chum. pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, good. Um, yeah, and clearly this is a, you know, a retribution storyline, you know, not, you know retribution mm-hmm. but right yeah. he'll, he'll come back and right get his revenge uh the other thing from nxt that i took from uh from it was Kashida again building Kashida up strong getting a victory over mm-hmm. champa and dream clean so thought that was pretty interesting that they're they're investing in the Kashida uh business here and we'll see where that goes yeah well then we can get into hell in the cell but before we do that I got a little surprise, Tom, and I, I told you this was coming a little bit, but uh, we got an email to the From show. Jennifer somebody Lopez. asked, they could email. Well, somebody could ask that they could email. They used to email this show frequently and felt it right this time. Some things to say, and I have the email here. Are you ready, Tom? Dale. It's mail time, boys. You know who this is, Thomas. That's right. It's your mom's favorite emailer, GBL. Psych. <laughs> Psych. It's it's Justin Summers coming back with a small email. (laughs) That got me. (laughs) That motherfucker. (laughs) He said, last week I was listening to your episode and I wanted to reply back with my thoughts. First off, you guys aren't going to stop watching WWE. This many years of podcasting about it, and I don't think you'll stop. But I'd love to be proved wrong. This part has been talked about on the show, so I'll try not to get into it much. But you guys clearly don't like talking about that company at all. (laughs) Um, I don't know about it at all, but anyway, we'll get into it. Hearing you two talk about it is like me talking to you guys about the 2017 Cleveland Browns. You know, the year they went 0-16. and I really think you guys should drop it and talk exclusively about AEW. 
I think you guys think that too, but are willing to lay on that bomb for the sake of the show. It's really crazy to think you guys would support AEW as much as you do, considering how much you guys didn't watch independent wrestling and had a big dislike for the young Bucky brothers that helped Mm -hmm. run that company. Mm -hmm. Let's talk real quick about WWE and AEW as a whole, shall we? Over the last few years, WWE has really been slipping, in my opinion. The company doesn't feel the same anymore, and the current pandemic doesn't help much to that. Vince is clearly one of the biggest problems they have. Look, I love Vince, and I would love the opportunity to meet him someday. The problem with him is that he's clearly losing all touch. Uh, I'll always say that WWE is his show, and he can run it however he wants. At the end of the day, that's his decision. Uh, Let me see. He has been on top of the wrestling world for too long, and until last year, he had no competition since 2001 80s and 90s events was great but two decades without someone to to challenge is clearly showing Mm -hmm. plus on top of all that the world has changed and the business is starting to change too we as fans don't have to take this out of date approach anymore though we can easily turn it off and ignore it instead Mm -hmm. most act like they can't live without it even though they despise it aw coming along could change the game I think they have done some good already, but there's clearly more to do. I firmly believe that if AEW can make some serious waves over the next few years, maybe even five years, they could cause a shift within wrestling. This will all balance on if WWE slash Vince can react. I think that if AEW can grab some real momentum, they can pressure Vince to retire or make the board want Vince to step down. WWE has a lot of great talent, and I would hate to see a lot of things go to waste. But if enough fans step away from them and more wrestlers turn them down or leave them, then this could be the very beginning of the end. Like I said, WWE just has to react. We'll see how everything plays out, though. Can't wait to hear your responses to this. And all the best to you both. Never give up, Justin Summers. Justin, he doesn't want to go by. Ah, god dang it! I was gonna give a real thought here. Hold on, he doesn't (laughs) want to go by heavy set. I read that he doesn't want to go by heavy set, so he wants to go by Justin Summers. So I'll respect that, Justin. Anyhow, P.S. What? God damn it! By the way, you remember that poll you guys did to see what punishment T Mac had to do for the last picks? John Cena. Mm -hmm. Well, I used all of my accounts to vote for Cena because if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. (laughs) That's a lot of fucking accounts. God, jeez. So this is the reason you did Cena. That's great. I'm okay with that. I liked it. It was fun. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, all right, because I, 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 you want me to start, and then you can say your. Well, yeah, because we're gonna talk about WWE, and I, I get what he's saying to some well, extent, but, but here, here's where I'll say this. Um, obviously, we're gonna talk about WWE because it's the biggest show in the world. I, if you liked, if you liked uh, race car. Uh, races, you know, you're not going to not talk about NASCAR. You might like right. the dirt we're track. We're not going to talk about, we're not going to ignore the NBA in our basketball podcast. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a better analogy. If we love basketball, we might talk about the big three, and the big three might be our favorite, but if LeBron James wins the NBA championship, we're going to talk about the Lakers and LeBron James winning the NBA championship. It's it's silly not to acknowledge the elephant in the room, right? Second, we can like AEW, without liking independent pro wrestling. In the golden era of WWE, those were all just territory guys that came to the big show in WWE. You could love WWE and not give a shit about Georgia Championship Wrestling where Ricky the Dragon Steamboat came from and all these other guys, right? Which is kind of what we've done with the indie wrestling here with AEW. Right, exactly. And that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, AEW is essentially taken the territories and then said, like, isn't this the best show possible? Here's Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston. Warhorse. Yeah, and yeah, Warhorse and the Young Bucks and 
Kenny Omega from New Japan. And so it's like, yeah, I love all of that. I don't necessarily want to watch an independent show headlined by um, MJF versus Retro Anthony Green, right? Like those two guys are great, but like Retro Anthony Green's in NXT. He's getting beat up by Timothy Thatcher. MJF is doing awesome stuff in AEW. But what I want to see is MJF and Chris Jericho doing their own thing, right? So like... I don't have to like independent pro wrestling. I like what I see on my TV. I mean, I don't hate it. There's definitely some things I liked about WWE throughout the show. I think we're jaded just because we've seen it all so long. And that's part of the reason we won't probably ever stop watching it either. I mean, this is decades for each of us. Um, it, we would not be following wrestling but not know who the like WWE champion in that storyline is. It just feels like that wouldn't be a thing we would do. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I just don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and if you want to go to my favorite sport, MMA, I go to every local Kansas City show possible, and I could tell you the top 10 Kansas City fighters and the top 10 Midwest fighters in the world, but I also know who the middleweight champion is for the UFC. I also know that this Saturday it's Habib versus Gaethje, right? I hate the UFC as a company. They suck. They're giving 10% to their fighters. They treat their fighters like shit. Uh, they're miserable as far as marketing, but that's where all the best people are. And just like WWE, I may not like the company, but that's where all the best people are. And that's subjective. You know what I mean? But uh, the other thing I'll say, Vince McMahon always being the uh, scapegoat. Let, let's pump the brakes on that. And this is what I mean by that. You know, Dave Melters of the world, uh, Wrestle Talks of the world, What Cultures of the world, love to have these reports, right? Reports say, well, reports can be biased. You know, this podcast could be biased. Tim, you could go and tell someone who listens like, God damn, man, this show would be so much better if Tom showed up on time. Now, that's not true, but you could say that. And then people are like, oh, man, this show would be so much cooler if, if... you know, the show came out a day earlier and I bet you the reason the show doesn't come out a day earlier is because a report says that Tom shows up late to the podcast. Right. So let's too busy with his costumes. Right. Yeah. Too busy with the, the skull cap this week, you know? So let's, let's pump the brake on Vince McMahon is the end all be all. Now that might have some kernels of truth to it, but it also might be, he got 10 ideas that fucking suck. <laughs> And he has to go with the best one of those that suck. And that's what we saw. And because it sucks, we say Vince is it's Vince's fault to the credit though. I can wholesale without even seeing it would bet a lot of money on the fact that a, you know, septuagenarian doesn't have his finger on the pulse of what the average young viewers were going to want to watch. Right. But I agree with, they also know like with SmackDown, they're going for an older demo. Like that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, they have that time slot because it's a 55 to whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Average viewer. So, uh, you know, there again, we don't know everything that they're doing and what they're endeavoring to do because, you know, we're not privy to it sometimes. Right. It's not and about what's the best thing I can put on television. It is I'm making money and how I'm making money this week is this plan mm-hmm. and we're doing this to execute that plan. Right. And even further, that point of uh, old man making decisions. Well, again, from reports or from the uh, structure of WWE, he's getting 
pitches from old men. Bruce Pritchard is not relevant. Like as far as, you know, what today's hip culture is, right? Not even Triple H. Triple H is still living in the 1990s with Metallica and Motorhead in his ears every day. He's not listening to the Migos. He's not listening to, uh, you know, NF, who they just took a, a, a song from. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe again, an old man making decisions based on ideas given to him by old men isn't necessarily the best thing. But what I'm getting at is I, I, I whole picture agree. Vince is the issue, but I don't think it's all on his shoulders because we hear reports again, reports are biased. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, WWE hell in a cell. I'm excited for this one. Yes. Yeah. You know, for some of it, at least (laughs) I'm excited in the sense that, some storylines I think will progress or finish up and it's going to be a distraction from another just generic, boring Sunday night. But I think one of the issues with hell in the cell is they build hell in the cell matches because of the pay-per-view and not build a feud to where it has to have a payoff of hell in the cell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just not sure if this should be a yearly thing anymore. I don't I don't ever think it should be a yearly thing. I think it should be when two people have exhausted all options and they want to kill each other, you know, kayfabe. And then this is the payoff. But I don't think I don't think just because Drew McIntyre is a champion, Randy Orton should say hell in the cell like that. Just it doesn't fit to me. It doesn't, um, but yeah, we should. Let's go through and make some picks, right? Let's, let's see, do see it. What Dolly. we think's gonna happen here? Yeah, I've got it up here. If you're uh, this from WWE dot com, right? Here we go. And um, I think I've only got one, two, three, four matches on it so far. So, wow. Um, yeah, really. And this is what it's. It's even. That's what on their website right now. I just went there right now, and it even says that. The match card parentheses so far includes and it's four matches. All right, so here we go. Jeff Hardy versus Elias. Elias wins this, right? Let, let's take yeah. a quick pause. Mm-hmm. It is Thursday night, mm-hmm. the Thursday night before the Sunday night pay-per-view. And even WWE is saying, nah, we're not done yet. Because they're gonna do three hours, right? That's incredible. Three hours. So, you're saying like 45 minutes here, uh, um, uh, that's not going to happen, right? So, we're going to get some matches added in here, right? We're going to get Baszler and... Um, Jax versus the Riot Jax Squad. Jax versus... Uh, right, right. Something like that, right? Like, we're going to get on. that in there. <sighs> right? Man, dollar. What else could we get? Uh, I don't know. Um, Kevin Owens and Aleister Black. Yeah. Hurt business and retribution. Maybe. All right, so we got Jeff Hardy Elias. Elias wins this. Uh yeah. No. Is it a hell in a cell or just straight up? Just Okay. Doesn't say hell in a cell match. Uh, the other very... three are. Okay. So yeah, I'll go Elias too. Yeah, because it has to it has to reach No, you know what? I'm gonna say a DQ. Jeff Hardy wins by DQ, but Elias gets his revenge, hits him with a guitar that costs him the yeah, match. Yeah, I think Elias wins by cheating. So same, I think idea that we have here. So okay, 
SmackDown Women's Championship Hell in a Cell match. Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Sasha Banks wins this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, a year long title reign from Bailey, which has been very, yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily been an all time great title run, such as CM Punk's one year run as the champion or, you know, any of those other remarkable runs. Uh, but I will say it was the most stable storytelling during the most unstable year. Well, and I like that Sasha Banks was like, sure, yeah, you had a year run, but like, who helped you pretty much all of those matches? Like, we, you know, yeah. I mean? like, won that title for a year. Yeah. And, and, and so for that reason, Bailey being the stability and everything there, I think now we need to switch it up because now it needs some injection of, chaos and new direction and so that's why i've got sasha banks well, i will say though moment for sasha right, right? she's gonna be in the cell it's putting her over yeah but but here's the thing that i was thinking about why would i care so the feud is bailey said hey we're both scumbags here and before you beat me up i'm gonna beat you up right that was the right. whole thing but sasha just doubles down and is like yeah uh, I helped you win. So she's not even turning over a new leaf. She's just saying, bitch, you need to give me credit. <laughs> so why yeah, would like I care? There's if, no sympathy if, there. Yeah. Yeah. Why would I care if Sasha wins? You're just saying that you were a scumbag and well, you kind of still are a scumbag. Do you care if Sasha wins? No. No. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now this but is going to be an gonna. awesome match. Yeah. This is going to be an awesome yeah. match. They're going to uh, go brutal. I bet you they bleed. Even maybe the hard way, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But Somebody I got, bleeds. I got Sasha. Yeah, I got Sasha. Sasha bleeds. She wins. She's bloody. Uh, all right. Uh, WWE Championship Hell in a Cell match. Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre. I can't believe we're still doing this thing. Yeah, it should have ended with that ambulance match. Yeah, it's done now. Uh, that was a great ending, and they've drug it out now, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. We struggled to care to begin with. But but they made us, right? Again, I thought there was a couple good months in there with Randy Orton and, and McIntyre. Um but with this, you know, um I think Randy Orton wins. I think that's the that's the swerve. It's the well, we're just gonna have McIntyre win again, blue so they're gonna be like, Nope, psych, Orton, suck it. I wouldn't I think mind. Edge I think is back. I think he's doing the best where you keep saying that. It's like my Cena heel turn. And then this is where Edge comes back. I think this is where uh, Edge comes back. I don't think he's as, because uh, he keeps saying uh, in interviews, oh, this surgery or this recovery is taking so much longer. I don't think it is. I think they're just waiting. I think he's ready. I, I would like it. I think Randy Orton's doing his best work. Mm-hmm. Um, so This is his mm-hmm. best work since early evolution intercontinental champion or undertaker wrestlemania time yeah i agree um, i love it uh yeah. and and i like mcintyre i don't dislike mcintyre as the champ he looks the part he handles himself well he did some really cool stuff with keith lee as champion for a hot second um there's another match it'll be braun Strowman and keith lee they'll have that match too um yeah they'll do a rematch from that yeah right yep. uh yep but I'm going to go with the shocker. I think it's Randy Orton somehow. Okay. By hook or by crook. Randy Orton. All right. All right. So uh, before we talk about this last match here on the card, uh, I'm going to go to 
the tweet the tables. We got a hashtag tweet the table hey. uh, on Twitter. You yeah. follow us on Twitter at table show. He's at T Mac underscore eight one six. I'm at the awesome boys. But if you use yeah. hashtag tweet the table on Twitter, we're going to compile those here. We might read one or two. We might, we might, if we think you're cool enough. And at Theo 75 says, I am adoring this Roman Reigns character. Or is it the real Roman Reigns? Either way, I'm loving it. I knew he had it in him. Now, if he can destroy the rock at WrestleMania, it would seal him as the big dog, and it is his ring. Hashtag big ass watch. Hashtag tweet the table. I don't know what the big ass watch is, but maybe he wears uh, a big ass watch. Maybe he does. Um, yeah. Uh, so we have Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, Hell in a Cell. That would be the shocker. If Jay Uso, because again, if you're telling the storyline of he's calling out the family and he's the tribal chief, you're going to continue it. You have Roman lose the title for seven, you know, two weeks until Raw again or whatever, uh, you know, SmackDown, where he just beats the crap out of him and gets it back. And then we gave Jay Uso a title run, you know, like, eh, well, you know, then he gets a title credit to his name. I would have the shocker be Jay Uso wins this because then it just sends Roman Reigns into a fuck holy shit mm-hmm. and he just gets even he just fucking floors everything he's been doing right gets even meaner but i don't think they're gonna do that and i think roman reigns i think it'll be much it's this isn't gonna be a squash match where he destroys him and they gotta throw in a towel like jesus is gonna give it his all but and maybe we see jimmy come out and maybe help roman know, that's maybe. where i think the shocker is if there's any yeah. shocker i think it's jimmy joins roman and is like jay we have to do this for the betterment of us. And then maybe of in a the few tribe. weeks. Yeah. And then maybe in a few months or weeks or whatever it is, uh, then Jay, you know, joins along. Uh, so for that reason, I still think Roman as champ needs to be the the signature piece for SmackDown to hold on to the casual viewer, right? Jay is a great thing for us. We like well, that. Well, but I think like even if it was like until the next SmackDown. Because they get to run that, and be like Roman Reigns lost his brother Jay, one the, and everybody be like, "What?" And be like, "What's going to happen on SmackDown?" And then everybody tunes in and they see Roman Reigns murder him. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, and then that would get maybe a good rating or a, at least eyeballs to pay attention to SmackDown if you say World Heavyweight Championship match champion Jay Uso rematches Roman Reigns. I don't know, maybe. Um, well, then forever Jay think, Uso's former World yeah. Heavyweight Champion, right? I mean, yeah. hey, they've put it on worse people before. Jack Swagger. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Alberto Del Rio. Um, Uh, Twice. You know? Yeah, twice. (laughs) Uh, Maybe more than that with Del Rio. So, I mean, yes, that all makes sense. But I'm still going going Roman Reigns. I still think it's the – maybe we see a different member. Ooh. Oh, Dale. Check this out. This is what happens. Dale. Uh, we're going to get, yeah, we're going to get a new member to the tribe that cost Jay the match because then we're going to do a tag match of Roman Reigns and new tribal member versus the Usos. That's what we're going to get next. Who did they used to send out with the Usos? Was it, um, not Naomi, but, um, Naomi. No, was it Naomi? Tamina come out with Usos? Tamina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Tamina. If she comes oh. out and gives them the old, mm. 
that because then you're not doing a tag match, but you're still adding to the tribe. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. I like that. Right. Like you see what I mean? That. Like, like mm-hmm. she comes in, gives the old like slide something under into the into, uh-huh. the, into the cell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She comes out. Oh, this would be fun. She comes out to say, Jay, like. You know, she does what Jimmy did the previous match, but instead of just throws in the towel, does like, I'm doing this for your own good. Low blow, Roman gets the spear, then she joins the tribe. She just holds him in place so Roman can get the spear. Oh, that would be cool. That would, like she's holding again, his foot through the yeah. cell. I don't know of any, you know, cousins or nephews or anything in NXT or, you know, in the development center kind of thing. So I don't even know who it would be, but... Tamina would be would be cool. That would be an interesting little wrinkle to adding to the Not tribe. Not doing anything, right? Because Nia Jax is already doing something. Right. right? She's got yep. the family tie. but Yeah, I agree. That's a good idea. I like that, Tim. Good mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Not I'm bad. still going Roman Reigns. Yeah, Roman Reigns wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, okay. I mean, Hell in Cell will be good, I think. I think we'll get some good stories out of there. It sucks when you do three Hell in a Cell matches, then you start going like, well, one of these is going to suck. Mm-hmm. One of these might be quick. And that's where I think the Roman J, I think that one's going to be quick. I think they got all their time in the match previous. I think this one's going to be a, let's get to it. In and out, boy. 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 Yeah. All right. Well. All right. Well, hey, it was episode okay. 305. <laughs> Pitbull, 305. <laughs> I really, you've got to check out our YouTube. If you have not, Woo! Tom looks. Hey, it's episode 305, baby. The Spanish announce table.